Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week is an award-winning makeup artist and founder of one of the world's biggest beauty brands. She's a force to behold. She is the gorgeous and wonderful Charlotte Tilbury. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, my darling Twiggy. Beauty icon of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, it's one of my beauty icons. You're so sweet. How are you? I'm very good, actually. Always, always in a positive mode, darling. You know, I I mean, who who could not be happier talking to Twiggy? (laughs) I mean, this is like every girl's beauty dream come true, sort of talking to you. So it really is. A happy day. And also, we've just got to stay positive, haven't we, right now? Oh, like- absolutely. And that's one when they when I was approached to I was asked to do these podcasts. Yeah. Just as lockdown happened. And I thought, well, I've never done it before. But then I, you know, I've I've jumped into many things in my career that I've never done before. So I thought, why not? And it's been it's been such a joyous thing because I've I've rung people like you who I love and adore, people I know, people I don't know. But we've always had a very light-hearted up chat, and I think that's what people need at the moment. There's enough doom and gloom around. Absolutely. So, so thank but you for joining me. Well, no, but you're a very positive person, and I think I love the way you. If I think about all the breadth of everything that you've done, is so brave. I mean, you know, even for me, just as a a makeup artist and having a beauty company and you, what you did kind of, you know, and how you sort of really sort of shaped beauties to a certain degree. One could argue you were the first kind of makeup artist that created the kind of fabulous look that dominated the world. Well, it Um, was weird because as you know, I think we talked about this when we met, because lots of people think that was created for me, that kind of the eyelashes and and the shape and everything. But in those days we didn't have makeup artists. There weren't. I know. I started modeling in 1966 and that's how I did my eyes. That was me. I was a mod and I used to stick on three pairs of eyelashes and, and you know, and paint my eyes. It used to take me an hour and a half. I bet you can do it quicker. <laughs> well, no, but I know what you mean. Yes, of course, one kind of gets into it. I bet by the end of it, you weren't doing an hour and a half. I bet you were doing it in less time. But it is, it's, it's a full-on commitment, but God, did it look good. I mean, <laughs> so good. Oh. Well, those, I, when I look at those pictures, I always think I look like a little bit like a duck because I'm kind of all eyes and and there's funny little skinny legs. I was a fu- I was a funny little thing, really. But um, but it's interesting because I I think the first time I worked with a makeup artist was probably late sixties, early seventies, and it was Barbara Daly. And then oh yes, I did, love Barbara I did Daly. The, um, cover with David Bowie. And that was a French makeup artist, but that was the first time. The cover with David Bowie—that's also really so inspirational. I mean, for fashion people, which you know, I've been in the fashion industry now twenty-eight years. It's just you were such and are still <laughs> the biggest inspiration to all of us all the time. I mean, how many times did we were like, and here we go again? Let's rehash another Twiggy look and make him <laughs> give it a little twist. It's like, you know, it's just all your constant inspiration. But, you know, and also the, the, the David Bowie look, right? the, the two of you together. I mean, was that Barry Luskin, that picture? Uh, no. Barry Luskin? I can't remember. 
took it. But it, what was funny is that yeah. you know that they've got we've got masks. If you look, yes. at it, we've got masks painted around our jawline. Yeah, happened. Um, I'd I had a suntan because I'd been on holiday, and David, as usual, Bowie was very very pale. He always looked mostly yeah. pale. So to kind of so we didn't look so different he painted a mask and my body's brown and my face is pale because he made that up and yeah. the opposite with bowie his his body's white and then he painted a kind of orangey suntanny mask on his face but it was because of that and that was shot you know oh, for the cover of english vogue yes then the editor in his great wisdom said i can't put a man on the cover of vogue and i said are you crazy because bowie was the biggest thing in it was like 72 yeah something. yeah and but they wouldn't so david said don't worry i put it on the cover of my album so it's had a much longer life <laughs> God, so he never actually appeared on the cover i thought it did appear on the cover of Vogue. No, they wouldn't, they Never wouldn't put it on. They said, we we can't. And I said, you're crazy. You can even credit makeup with Vogue. Yeah. Listen, we're in such I a mean, different world now, aren't we? Oh, they would be lapping it up. It's exactly oh, the time oh, we're in. I know. You're so forward thinking, you and Bowie, that you kind oh, of like, that's where we are but today. But actually, it was a, he did me a favour, David, because every time that album was reissued in different formats, yeah. it came out again. So it became a much more used photograph. Yeah, a much bigger <laughs> thing. You grew up in Ibiza, is that right? I did. I grew up in Ibiza. And, you know, Ibiza, I mean, with so many of your friends, Patty Boyd would come out and hang out with my parents and sort of so many people that I was so lucky to kind of meet that really inspired me and informed the way that I am today. So my father is an artist mm -hmm. and so much of what I do, you know, thinking about shade and light, and you'll understand this from having created your own look and kind of been a makeup artist with you know, yourself in a sense, you know, how you made your eyes look so big, but the, the kind of working, you know, understanding shade and light, color contrasting, brushes. I used to kind of stole some of his brushes and sent them to uh, some of the the paint factories to kind of you know make me the paint brushes that were from his studio and between my father and then my mother was a producer and she would produce some of the fashion shoes and we ended up working together actually with Matt and Marcus and loads of kind of you know big models and celebrities that would come to Ibiza and do lots of shoots in the end but you know as a child you would go it was just such a different time then and kind of going to sort of some of the nightclubs and, you know, lots of kind of, there were lots of artists and writers and painters and actors and musicians. And you would see sort of Grace Jones performing with all her makeup and amazing outfits or James Brown, or I remember hanging out with Queen a bit there and all the dancers in this kind of like ninth sort of outerwears, underwear and Jean-Paul Gaultier in his early days used to go to the Ku Club before he even became a big fashion designer. And they wear Diamante wigs and it was so much of the makeup was so much of the artistic expression, you know, at the time that that really kind of, and people were wild with it and super experimental with their makeup and their fashion. So, and there was such freedom in Ibiza. And I think that really informed and inspired me in so many kind of ways. And, and I would see how these women would enter a room and, and how much their kind of look would sort of mesmerize people and people would sort of stand up and how much attention that could command in a sense. And I was always fascinated by that. I was like, why, why does she command more attention over her? And then looking at magazines, and I remember some of my mother's kind of 
flamboyant gay friends would say to me, darling, it's all makeup. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I so, want makeup. Yes. <laughs> But yeah. was, did you go to school in Ibiza, your junior school? Yes, I did actually. Not a lot of people know this. Actually, I don't think I've ever talked about it before, but I did. That's what I, I'm I, here for. Yeah, that's what you're <laughs> here for. Oh, uh, so so I so I went to um I went to the put they put me in the local Spanish school to learn Spanish because neither of my parents spoke Spanish. So then so I learned I was the only redhead in the school. And obviously it was kind of, it was a quite a local school with like sort of, you know, a few families on the island. And then suddenly this redhead turns up and they're like, you know, they're like, they were calling me all sorts of names, like Piojera, like, you know, like lice head, because I have this red head. They're like, who is this freak that's turned up in our school? But I learned Spanish pretty quickly and it was kind of great. And then I left there and went to another school called Morna Valley. And Morna Valley is such a kind of 70s name, Morna Valley. It was, you know, it was great with all these kind of, you know, a lot of, I remember actually a friend of mine meeting somebody else who was from there. And he was like, what was in the water of Morna Valley? Like, how, how come you guys have ended up being so successful? It was kind of a bit of a hippie school, you know, it was sort of like lots of, um, you know, the local kind of guy that sort of ended up in Ibiza, became an English teacher. He'd be there on a little mobilette driving to school. And, you know, sometimes it'd be like someone wouldn't turn up or whatever. It was kind of, it, but it was sort of great. And then when I was 11, my parents said, okay, you know what, we're going to take you, we're going to put you in this school. He's an Oxford Don called Ra, which means sun god. And he was this man who wore a headdress and had this big ruby in the center of his head. And he was like, he was fasting. And it was Tim, Tom and Tornow. So three boys and me went to this school and uh, we got there and he was like, okay, so it's called a history of the universe course. And day one, I'm gonna give you log books. And day one was 1 million BC. And I was like, okay, log book, 1 million BC. And we're like literally age 11. And then he was he, he started teaching us quantum physics, the universe, we were playing these games. Even I look back at this book and I'm like, who was this intelligent person that was like writing all of this? Age 11, I mean, I, you know, I don't even know who she is anymore. And it's like these kind of like equations and sort of, you know, atoms and quantum physics and sort of like just, we would play these galactic games that we would make up, like I was a black hole and that was a red dwarf and you were a white star. And we were playing these intergalactic games and, and then just, uh, you know, our homework was hilarious. It'd be telepathy. Right. Like literally he was like, cause he was just like, you know, you, it was a whole thing with quantum physics where he would basically like, you could feel each other. So we would go home and go, did you feel each other last night? We were like, woohoo, telepathy for homework. You know what I mean? <laughs> By the way, have you got your cup of tea? Oh my darling. Here I do. I've got my hot lips mug. Oh, which hopefully you will become a member of very soon. See. Charlotte's got the best mug. It's it's a, a pair of lips holding a lipstick between their teeth. It's a pretty... Charlotte Tilbury lipstick between their teeth. Are you teeth. are you exactly. a tea drinker? I am. I love a piping hot. I love piping hot. Um, they sort of think I've got uh, sometimes asbestos lips, <laughs> but I love it piping, piping hot with a piece of toast and marmalade. Just oh, I know. It's the best. So oh. like, like English builders' tea, right? I don't do builder's tea. I have to say, I do love a little bit of kind of, you know, sort of perfumey Earl Grey. Mm. Um, yeah, I love an Earl Grey. But uh, I, I love, and we've got builders. I mean, we've got it all in the house. My husband loves builders. 
Well, yeah, I do. So. I do one scoop, well, either tea bag or scoop of Earl Grey and one scoop of English breakfast. Oh, that's quite lovely, good. Lovely. Because it is yes. the strength of the English breakfast. Yes. The, the, the perfumey bit. Yeah. With milk and Actually, honey. That's a good combo. Yes, especially really if nice. it was tea bat or tea the the real kind of mm, well, tea leaves mm, that's in a proper pot of tea yeah so when did you stop going to that school you went to a boarding school didn't you in England? so then I went to boarding school and I sort of realized now that it's kind of you know as mad well you know my not my parents are mad but really progressive so I went to this school and I was like okay great it's like Telepathy is my homework. This is brilliant. But one day he was like, okay, it's not beautiful anymore because we just started like arguing over who my black hole is, someone else's white dwarf. And it always, he was like, okay, this is not beautiful. I have to leave. So he chucked us all out of the school. So that was the end of Ra's, you know, History of the Universe course. But then we went off to, uh, where did we go? We went to, I went to a Rudolph Stein school. So um, in East Sussex. And I got there. My mother said, you know, my daughter is a redhead. She wants it all. She wants it now. And they went, yeah, don't worry, we understand. They sort of, it was lots of form of movement and understanding. And they said, you know, you're slightly dyslexic. But now I realise I am dyslexic. And not massively, my father is and my sister is. But, you know, that kind of, I, my logbook was so advanced that it got me into what, you know, I could have not only gone to Michael Wall, but in a couple of other boarding schools. But it just, it was such a perfect, you know, for my kind of, quite alternative upbringing and my freedom of, of, of sort of thought and thinking that that going to a stand school was actually perfect for someone like me. Mm. Um, you did know, you kind of, decide in your teens that you wanted to be a makeup artist? Yes, I did. I so decided, you kind of knew what you wanted to do? Yeah, I was really blessed. I think I was always quite mature beyond my years and I think I remember being at boarding school and actually instead of people having tuck boxes, you know, people have tuck boxes. Mm -hmm. And I had a beauty editor friend of my mother's gave me a tuck box full of makeup. And so I sort of was an early trader at boarding school, sort of trading makeup and sort of going, get rid of that plait, put this lip on, let's get, you know, <laughs> let's give you big eyes. Let's, you know, and doing up all these girls, uh, you know, hair and makeup and outfits. And then, and I remember thinking then at the age of 13, I really wish the world's number one makeup artist could look at me and tell me exactly how to make my, the most of my face. So, you know, how could I become the most beautiful version of me? And it was sort of then that I was sort of conjuring up what the brand kind of would be really at the age of 13. And when you look back and connect the dots to where you ended up mm. and how it came to be, it sort of in the end, was it always your path to sort of end up where you have ended up? But, you know, again, at boarding school, because of that tuck box of makeup, I then discovered the power of mascara and I went back to Ibiza three months later and everyone was like, oh my God, you look, you know, you look so different. Oh my God, you just like, you're, you're just so much more attractive. You just really matured. And I was like, well, no, I haven't. It's called a pot of mascara, tube of <laughs> mascara, fantastic. But you know, and they were like, because I'd only been at boarding school three months. So I was like, but you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to run with this because people obviously are reacting to me in quite a different way, which at first I was like, oh my God, so superficial. Then I was like, you know what? Sort of great. Actually, a bit more popular, a bit more attention, quite loving it. Why not? If that's what it takes to achieve a mascara, I'm on. I'm game. I'm game. I'm in. So, um, yeah. So, so, so then I kind of, you know, because my father's an artist, really sort of ended up doing, uh, really kind of getting into doing lots of makeup and kind of doing up girls' faces. And then I went back to Ibiza one summer and Mary Greenwell, who was a friend of my parents, who I think you know, mm -hmm. um, 
and Alistair, this other makeup artist who has since passed away, but he, they, we were in Formentera and they were, she was saying, oh, you know, uh, I think Jerry Hall's on the cover of Vogue and the cover of Harper's and Queen. And it was like with Jerry Hall and I don't know, you know, and all these different people. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's amazing. And then I remember talking to Alistair and one time we was having coffee with my mother just saying, you know, uh, what are, she's like, Alice, what are you doing? So, well, I'm in New York, I'm in Madrid, I'm sort of doing shows and shoot for Vogue and God knows what, and explaining what a makeup artist was. Because I said, well, what does a makeup artist, what do they do? And I remember leaving that coffee shop and just saying to my mother, mommy, that's it, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a makeup artist. And she was with a girlfriend, Chloe, in the car, and they were gossiping away. And they're like, oh, that's marvellous, darling, lovely, lovely, <laughs> just thinking I was... <laughs> It's interesting because most, yeah. I always ask people, you've answered it actually, that is there one person that kind of did something or was a mentor or suddenly a penny drop within you? Of And, and that that is your yeah. moment, isn't it? So how old it's, were you then? I was 16. Wow. I was, yeah, I was 16. Amazing. So it is, you're so right to ask that question. What was that moment? Yeah, and it, there, yeah. I couldn't have told you anything else about that year or possibly the year before, the year after. I can't remember. But that I could tell you, the coffee shop I was sitting in, I could tell you when I met Mary Greenwell in Formentera and I was wearing a little bit of gold eyeshadow and I was wearing sort of a, a, a kind of soft brown lip line, a bit dodgy and a, and a kind of bit of Vaseline <laughs> on my lips. And, and, and I remember going, and Mary was just like, and I'll never forget her saying, oh, my hands are tingling. Like I just, I was just so mesmerized by what she did and in those days no one had heard of a makeup artist they were like what's a makeup artist you know because there were no makeup artists when you started so it was a she mary really paved the way for me to then you know started working with all the supermodels and then really pay, i assisted her at the end of the supermodel era i mean i remember i was 19 backstage with mary and i had claudia ship i remember and i was laurie starrett actually it was mary Beaumont and laurie starrett it was for some Sting Save the Rainforest fashion show, and they got all the big supermodels in. And I had to do Claudia Shipper's makeup, and I had to do quite a few of the supers. And Susie Bick, who you know is now oh, Vampire's yeah. wife, who I love, and Claudia Shipper and Susie. And I remember uh, Claudia going, "I love the way you've done my eyes." And I remember, and you know, for me at nineteen, that was like such a big thing. Yeah. And and, and Susie Bick said to me oh my gosh, and I remember going bright red in the face and she said, I love the way you've done my skin because she was kind of like, she was always been looking in the mirror and sort of, she said, you've just done my skin so beautifully. I love the way you've done my skin. And and I remember kind of like going literally like the colour of, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been, being a 19-year-old, it must have been, you know, quite nerve-wracking because yes. you know, especially people, yeah. you know, Claudia Shiver was amazing. Yeah, huge. They were all the super, they were the supermodels. And I remember literally feeling like you know sort of you know a bit of a runt really kind of when they all walked in the room with their six foot kind of you know with the sort of you know in those days the glamour was like the hair and they were all in heels and it was just very kind of like you know very rock style glamour um yeah so and there I was with my little kind of you know but very inspirational very gorgeous yeah how amazing yeah. so so then you, you I mean obviously I know you became a huge makeup artist when when did you kind of suddenly think because, you know, there's, there are quite a lot of makeup artists, good and bad and in between. Yeah. And, and obviously you were one of the top great ones. When did you suddenly, because what your story is extraordinary what you've done. I mean, it may, it, I mean, it's well-deserved, but it's amazing because 
to to go from being a top makeup artist to have a worldwide award-winning brand like you've got is extraordinary. So when did you suddenly think, I'm going to make my own brand? Do you know, I realised I probably wasn't that normal. As in, You kind of look back and go, oh, maybe that wasn't that normal to think that way. But when I walked to boarding school, I remember walking to boarding school at the age of 13 and this sort of feeling force would come over me as I was walking across the fields to get to my school for my boarding house. And I remember just saying, I will make my mark in the world. And I just, it was sort of like a force bigger than me. I didn't even know what that really meant or why I was thinking that way. You know, and then I just wanted to kind of the beauty thing of sort of always looking at these black and white posters of Marilyn Monroe and Audrey Hepburn and Greta Carbo. And I would study eyelash formations for hours and the way light hits certain cheekbones. And then I was fascinated, as I said to you before, with the power of someone's beauty. And I just, you know, I worked very hard. Um, I was very dedicated to what I did. And, you know, I, I then sort of worked with all the greats, like, you know, Matt Marcus and Mary Testino and Lowe, all the kind of, you know, great photographers. And, you know, assisted Mary Greenwald, which is an amazing break, and then kind of built my way through and then sort of started doing 40 fashion shows a season and couture and all the big campaigns for Louis Vuitton and Gucci and, you know, Valentino and, and on and on and on. And then I did red carpet as well. So I, I got on very well with celebrities and I got on very well with models. So sometimes they would say to me, you know, look, actually, I'm doing a premiere or I'm doing the Oscars or I'm doing the Golden Globes. Will you, or the Cannes Film Festival, will you come and do my makeup? And it was quite rare that because if you, you know this, if you're in the fashion industry, you're sort of designing the looks. You mm. don't normally do a lot of red carpet. So it was quite rare that I got on very well with celebrities and I was happy to do the red carpet. So I always had this three prong kind of approach to my career. And then um, I'd always wanted to really, when I think back to being a boarding school, I sort of designed the, the beginning of the concept of what I wanted to do, which was having one of the world's top makeup artists come to you and say, this is the look for you. And realizing, you know, I was thinking for my red hair, for my green eyes, for my shaped face, what would suit me the most? How do I maximize my potential at the age of 13 when you're finding yourself? And so that was really, dreaming up the brand then and then as I went on and sort of had this amazing sort of you know now 28 year kind of career of working with different face shapes you know and looks and you realize that there are wardrobes of looks right so you mm. know you will know this like you know whether it's kind of uh, let's just pick, okay, uh, the rock chicks will kind of, you know, like sort of Anita Pannenberg of the past, you know, <laughs> Kate Moss of today, Cara Delevingne of today, whatever. It's always a kind of certain type of look or yeah. woman, do you know what I mean? And then if it's like the golden goddess, is it Jennifer Aniston? Is it kind of, you know, uh, Gigi Hadid or is it kind of Giselle Bunchen or who? They're all a kind of golden goddessy type. And someone like you, you could go between being like a golden goddess or a bit kind of a rock chick, you know, you kind of like, sit, you know, you're a bit, you could go all between the kind of different looks, but we all, it's like we don't ever just wear one dress. We have lots of different looks. And, and, so and don't you agree that, uh, well, for, certainly for me, because I always used to joke, I, do, I always used to say, I don't go out of the, I don't go out of the house without my eyes on because oh, it same. gives you confidence. If you exactly. feel, it's like clothes, if you feel that you your makeup however it is is how you love it and how people react to you it gives you confidence and that's why it's so important and I think it's lovely to have a blank canvas sometimes and not have anything mm. on 
and you know if i if i'm at home i don't wear makeup but if i go out i always put my eyes on it so it was always my eyes yeah it's uh, the same i'm like a smoky eye till i die girl (laughs) 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 famously my husband's never seen me completely without makeup and you know that's hysterical oh no so like the eyeliner is to the death you know makes me feel but the thing is you know it's just whatever makes you feel good you know and makeup is that right what i love about it and you've understood the power of it for a long time and i do too it's like i don't see I see makeup as kind of such a magical thing, actually, as such a joyous thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all of these things are tubes of happiness, you know, because it's it gave me that turning point of confidence at 13. It's what I was looking for when I was dreaming up the brand. For me, when I say things like I, I wanted to make my mark in the world, it was for, how do I help? How do I do, you know, what can you do if com- to give people confidence, to give people joy, to give mm-hmm. people happiness and self-esteem is probably the most wonderful thing. It is, yeah. That you could ever wish or do for people. But what? Why you're incredible? It's it's one thing to have that dream and say I want to do it, and I know because I know yes. that that world and that business world is really tough, and all the yeah. other big brands out there that have been going for. 50 60 70 80 years that's that's and you've done it you cracked it i mean that is pretty extraordinary and that, that's why it always amazed me about you i mean you're gorgeous exactly. and i love you but to do that at your age is extraordinary and so i just wondered what was the the big breakthrough that you managed I think, to that line yeah i think you're right listen to, so there's one thing that I've just talked about, which is the dream. And I always mm-hmm. say I'm bottling a dream, I'm selling a dream, and then I'm making a dream come true. And that's the emotional piece of why I wanted to do what I did. Then you put it into practicalities, like you were saying, mm. and the business world is a really tough world. And it's dominated by men, mm-hmm. predominantly. And it there aren't many women, and there certainly aren't many redhead makeup women. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, I think they were like, okay, well, who is this one? But, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm just, in that sense, I, you know, I wish I saw more women in the, in the business world. And that empowerment thing, if I'm going to sell that to other women, I want to feel it myself. So I think I was very much like, I have a vision. I believe in my vision. Okay, I can, you know. Initially, when I came in, I was like, I didn't know how to read, read a PNL, a profit and loss sheet. I was like, okay, how stupid can I be? I'm not stupid. Let me learn this. I've always had a good head for numbers. So I can do mental maths really, really fast and I can whatever, you know. So I think when it got to kind of like complicated sort of, you know, theories on maths, I kind of lost interest. But I was quite, I'm good at numer and I'm numer and my dyslexia forms like a pattern recognition that I understand really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm super intuitive and I've always followed my gut. And I think when I was ever in a you know boardroom, I mean, I am the chairman of my board. I am the kind of president of my company and, right, right. you know, exactly. And, and I'm the chief creative officer. Can you tell I'm a slight control freak? <laughs> but, but, so you but like, speak, Charlotte, are you? <laughs> Just, you just got, but you know, you know, you know what it's like to eat. You can't just be like, oh, I'm just the creative. I'm just the creative because actually it's art and commerce, exactly like you were saying. Also, I think, and you know, because I've done various 
you know, things over the years with makeup, clothes, whatever. Yeah. Well, I've never done makeup, but um, yeah. but if so I always things. say if it's got my name on it, I have to be involved because I know with the with a lot of celebrity brands, they just kind of let them use the name and you know and yeah get involved. I, yeah, and, and I like you think if it's going to have your name on it and it's done from your passion, you have to be totally involved. You have to be. And exactly. Take it off with the smooth, you know. If it exactly. Goes, I mean, it, you've gone into the stratosphere. I'm happy to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I have to say. Can I tell you your your stores and your you know stores within stores are so eye catching and so beautifully designed. That has to be you. They're so me. glamorous. <laughs> I love them. No, because I just, lots of makeup for a while became very kind of homogenous. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, not, boring, black. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Exciting. No, it wasn't. It became just everything became utilitarian and the same. Yeah, it's like brown and beige hotel rooms. Yeah. If I yes, see exactly. With another orchid. Yeah, exactly. I might stab myself. I mean, lucky if you get an orchid in one of those. <laughs> yeah. So bland. So when I first saw you, one of your stores, it was like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. This is, you know, it was fun again. Yes, and, and women respond to that. They do. Yeah. Exactly. And I just think, you know, I call them my beauty wonderlands. But what I wanted to do when I came up with the stores was create, taking my backstage and that era of all the people that we love. I mean, your era is so amazing. And, you know, I mean, you're timeless. You're so relevant and have continued to be relevant. And I kind of love that about you, how you've never really sort of, you've never aged. In fact, you're just relevant all the well, time. That's very kind. I have, but. <laughs> No, no, you haven't. It's amazing. You're one, I want to be like, you're an inspiration, full stop, like from beginning to end. But, you know, but the, the, thinking about, you know, that Bieber and the time of the swing is when it was just so Barbara Hulaniki, yeah. who I know you love, and, you know, bus stop and kind of whatever, and Granny takes a trip and just exciting places where you were like, that was, it was like taking you into worlds. And I suddenly felt exactly what you felt. You walked into a shop. Mm -hmm. It was all confusing. You didn't know where to begin, where what to choose, what to use, and it was just homogenized, yeah. sort of black utilitarian. And then I was like, "Where's the fun? Where's the excitement? I want to take you into my backstage, into my world, and I want to make it easy to choose and easy to use for you. And I want to kind of like make you dream again and have fun. And so that's how I created these counters. And actually, the counters there's a whole science to how the counters work. Kind of how I wanted people to sort of like all roads lead to Charlotte Tilbury and the kind of the way that I designed it and the lights and everything that actually mean that our counters are hugely profitable, you know, in, in the industry. But it, it was a kind of a very glamorous, a different way of kind of seeing things. And the looks really cut through in an amazing way. And I remember when I launched in Selfridges and they said, they came to me and they said, you know, um, you're going to have a really great day, Charlotte. You're going to make uh, three to five thousand pounds today, and it's going to be fantastic for you. And I was like, okay, great. And I'm like a real creative visualization person. I'm sure you are too. And I was like, I did this whole creative visualization. And I was like, I phoned up my CEO the day before, and I was like, we are going to do fifty thousand pounds. So can you tell them that? And she was like, okay. And she was like on board with me the creative visualization, even though she's like. McKinsey, amazing, most brilliant, brilliant woman I've worked with all along. So she phoned up Selfridges and they were like, that girl, that girl's on crack. She's crazy. 
she's crazy like we never she's never ever going to do that like she's nuts you know and then it was like and so we kind of so we launched and we literally we did fifty one thousand pounds and we blew every record mm -hmm. in the history of selfridges so such an amazing moment because if you kind of you know that i'm really into like that whole match of if he or she believes she believes yeah. she can she will do you know what i mean so I agree with you. Yeah. You have to have the, the, the vision. You have to have the talent. Also, I have to say, your product is is gorgeous. Yes. But that's no. because you are behind it and it's your name. Exactly. So I know if it's got your name on it, you're not lending yeah. your name to a no. product and taking your eye off the ball. And you're right. So important. You're absolutely right. No matter what I do, no matter how beautiful those counters are, if that product yeah. isn't brilliant then it doesn't matter what we do or how much money you chuck at something, that it's all product is king. And that's what I said from the beginning. I was like, I want my products to be the best because I saw as a makeup artist, the white space of wasn't what wasn't working out there, why things weren't working. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would look at powders and I'd be like applying them on set and be like, oh God, I'm gonna have to take the base off because it's the, you know, it's sort of getting looking dusty and old, sitting in the pores, sitting in the lines, not good. And I would just, eyeshadows just, there weren't beautiful colors, there weren't the right textures, there weren't, so I was mixing things with mixing medium. So I saw a massive gap in the market of what needed to be innovated. Mm. And Brilliant. that really spurred me on to kind of come up with some of the best laboratories in the world. And I've been working with them for years as a creative director on other brands to come up with innovation. So I knew that, you know, and still today, there's some things in my brand that I just can't get right. We've been trying to get right for sort of, you know, I've probably been working with some of those last 14 years and mm. that's fine. When we get it right, when we innovate, it's fine. I'd rather have the gap until we can. And so that's really exciting, but you're right. Product is king. It comes down to having the best product and, you know, I will spare any, I mean, no expect, whatever I have to do to innovate, to create those products, that's where I spend my money. And then whatever's left over, whatever we can do to promote it, fine. You were the first one to really, in the makeup department, I think, use yeah. and know how to use social media. I mean, what you've done on social media. I mean, I've been very slow to come to social media, probably because of my age. You know, it's not a thing I grew up Yeah, but with. look at you now, darling. Tea with Twiggy. <laughs> Off we go. I mean, killing it. You know, I, I said to one of your technical guys, I, I'm becoming the technical king. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I'm, I'm learning. But but what, you know, using social media the way you've done it is, is fantastic. And, and I think you were one of the first people as far as I, I my yeah mind. I think at the time and this was going back nine years ago because it took me two years to build the brand and then set is launched seven years ago it was when I said to me people would buy makeup online they said no one's gonna buy makeup online she's crazy this one I'm always being told I'm the crazy lady you know so it's like I, you know and who's gonna buy makeup online because they can't you know it's a sensorial it's a touch kind of experience and it was like, no, 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 I do believe that that is where the future, and you saw YouTube emerging, and you saw Instagram emerging, and people were still, it wasn't a kind of a thing amongst our peers. I mean, now, obviously, everyone in the world's on it, but not that long ago, it was like, oh, no, 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 people aren't really going to do oh, that. So I could see what was coming, and I could see the whole beauty tech thing, and I could see, and I had a vision for an app, and I had a vision for the way people would shop makeup online, and I still, in, a, in all honesty, 
haven't totally cracked that. I have an in-house technology team and I have my own in-house creative agency because I felt that I wanted to, you know, I was designing my own packaging so I knew exactly how I wanted things to look and so I just mm-hmm. in-house that. And I have amazing dream team that work with me that I love to bits and been with me from the beginning. I'm super, super lucky and privileged to have. But we realized that actually that is the way forward. And I, there's still a vision that I have with beauty technology and how it will be in the future that the, the tech and the creativity haven't really matched up to be able to create what I, that it's just not quite sophisticated enough, but it's getting close with facial recognition to what I want. But to I think that's do. why, you know, your brand does so well because you are, you are, you know, as you said, you're the president, you're the CEO and, and you do keep an eye on it and you make sure the product's good and it's done in the right way and made in the right way and, and friendly to all the things you have to be friendly to yeah. in this day and age. So has COVID really thrown you this summer? Along with you know, else. I know. It's like, who needed a pandemic? I mean, <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're like, wait a moment. It's just like all these things in one. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's the, look, I think there was a point when I just stopped watching the news and I was like, right, well, I've just got to get a positive mindset on as much as I can. I worked really hard actually during COVID. I mean, it wasn't like, sometimes I wouldn't go outside for five days. It was just that intense. So I would be working sort of day and night to kind of put, turn my entire business digital because the shops were shut. So we had like 40% of our business online. And then, but during COVID, we turned 100% 100 of it online. So it was really my team, what my team did and we did together was nothing short of seriously impressive. We kind of turned this entire business, you know, digital online in, in, in a matter of weeks. And we were serving up content in ways with, you know, because we couldn't create content. We were, we had editors working. We were, I was filming, I was filming in Asia. I was, you know, I was going live around the world from, from, from my drawing room. And, um, and we did it. It was probably one of the most intense time I've ever been through in my life. And, you know. So, um, so you're one of the few been really, really busy. <laughs> really, really busy. I mean, like, literally. Which I might probably been, been the, good, yeah. actually, because, as you yes. say, you know, you, I, I, you can't watch the news all the time because it's so scary. It's so scary. It, you, you know, know it's yeah. not like, oh, I can go to America or I can go to no. India or I can go because it's it's around the world and it's very frightening and yeah you know and I think I'm like you one of the lucky ones because we live in lovely places we have people around us and you suddenly think of the people who haven't had it so good you know live in one bedroom or you know apartments with three kids and no garden oh and you know you think my goodness how do people like that coat so we are I always count my blessings oh my god yeah we've got what we've got I mean you've got a family I know and and, um absolutely I mean did you get into anything that you've never done before kind of as a hobby or were you just too busy (laughs) certainly too busy I mean literally I might as well have been on the moon I mean like I literally just you know I saw my kids but I didn't see my kids I mean when I said I didn't go outside for like five days I would literally 18 hour days I would just be like a like I was on a wheel, just working, 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 sleep, working, get up, working, sleep. And then I would sometimes be like, 
I need to run to the loo. Like I just, you know, it was that <laughs> intense. <laughs> like, like I didn't take my computer to the loo. I know some people did, but I did not. But you know, it's like, but I mean, I, I put up a loo break for a second. But, um, but you know, it was yeah, it was probably the most intense time of my life, and I, and I know it was for a lot of people. And but the what kept me going was just like I remember just having lots of my icons around me, goddesses and kind of technology gods like you know Steve Jobs, and I was just thinking. We are going to get through this. You become your thoughts. Just be as positive as you possibly can and know that we're going to come out the other side and let's just spread a bit of love and joy and happiness wherever we can. Mm. And I launched my serum that had been, who knew that it'd been four years in the making. And then, you know, with the scientists and all that amazing testing we had done with our chemists and our, it was just like, and it had taken so long to, to do. And then finally we're launching it in COVID and we were one of the first people to ever, I think we were the first, in fact, to do the first virtual online press day where we had 1,500 people tune in. And I spoke to everyone about my serum and it was like, I've got polybutamic acid, four times more hyaluronic acid. I was like, I, I created this formula that has replexium, turns back the lines of like 34% within eight weeks. And we had this amazing clinical trials. And and everyone was like, no, don't launch, don't launch, withdraw, withdraw. And all the companies were withdrawing all their launches. And we were like, well, we're just too small and we just got to go. And so I went into the eye of the storm. And, you know, it luckily really paid off, not through a kind of a lot of our hard work of sort of day and night. But, um, and then, you know, everyone I think wanted... you should be prime minister, actually. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> Watch out, Boris. No. <laughs> oh, you could take on Boris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, poor man, I tell you, I, just, I wouldn't want to I, mean. I love your whisper <laughs> and I love your, you know, that's why you've done what you've done because it's, it's, it comes from within you. I mean, you know, we actually had never, we, well, we'd kind of bumped into each other, but I met you personally, yes. if you remember, at your house. Yes. Right? Last boxing day. Last, yeah, last boxing Before day. Before COVID. I know. <clears throat> the last hurrah. <laughs> the last hurrah. Little did we know all the Little things did we, we know. used to mo moan about. And I know. The other thing I want to ask you, you're a mum of two, are you? Yeah, a six-year-old and a just about to be 11. Yeah, 11-year-old. Two boys, two boys. Oh, I love my so little boys. That, I love them so that, much. Well, there's oh. nothing quite like it. Once oh. you have a child, I mean, I do Christmas oh, every oh, day. Actually, you've got something very nice in store down the line because you you don't think you can love as much as you love your children. But wait till your children, if they do, have children. Oh, Because my daughter's just... got two and my little granddaughter is... Oh. five is now the love of my life <laughs> oh i know isn't it just do you just feel like it's christmas every time they come it's just like oh, oh just crazy. love them so much you I know, know just scary actually yeah but you know, know balancing that with this amazing career you've had is that is that tricky you know giving yeah, them that... time and the you know and there's days when the business is you know you've got to be there and that they're saying mom can I have another piece of toast and <laughs> yeah no I, I know it's, you're so right like I mean look I I just think whatever makes you happy whatever works for some some women don't want to work I need to work I've just got an idea a minute going on in my mind there's so many things I want to do and 
I need that creativity. Like I, like I just have to get it out of me. Whereas, and that makes me happy and it makes me excited and it gives me that euphoric feeling. And if I feel euphoric, then I see my children that euphoric state because I'm so excited. Yeah. But then, you know, I feel that with the, I, I personally, for me personally, for the type of active relaxer, adrenaline junkie that I am, you know, cannot just be at home with my beautiful children. Just I, you know, probably fill me with butterflies and love bomb me. The oxytocin love bombing that happens every day is just amazing. Do you know what I mean? But I need other things as well. And for me to be the fulfilled person that I need to be for me. And so, you know, but whatever that is, like who judges, who cares? I just think in life, do whatever makes you happy, do the best that you can and everything will be great. And I think they know that I work. I think, look, sometimes would I, do I travel a lot? Absolutely. Do I want to be traveling as much? No. But, you know, that, you know, and that has been one of the silver linings to kind of, you know, the lockdown. It's sort of yeah. like, okay, like every negative in life, you've got to think there's always a positive in every negative. So how can I make this time as positive as it possibly can be for me? One of the things wasn't traveling. So even though I was sat working crazy amounts of hours, I was there for my children. I had these times with my children and that has been really special and really amazing. And also I've learned to work in a different way. I've had to become a lot more technical, a lot more digital at one point. I had no team here and I was having to film and everything on my own. And you know, suddenly you're able to zoom into Asia and zoom into America and zoom into Europe and wherever, all through, uh, you know. Don't you think it's going, it has changed the business yeah. perspective, hasn't it? I mean, you know, please God, when we properly come out of this, because obviously we're still very much in it. Um, yeah. Is it going to go back to how it was? I don't think so. I think... As no, you say, the it, positives yeah. are it's shown another way of doing things. And uh, also the planet isn't suffering as much. Because, exactly. Which yeah. is slightly which is, important. You know, we really... It's not more yeah. important than anything. More know. important than anything. I mean, and should yours... we go back flying like we were flying? And should no. we, you know, because, you know, the, the planet is... We're suffering. A... I always think it's fascinating. I don't know if anyone's ever made this analogy, but what I was thinking is like we were damaging the planet so much that we were taking her oxygen away mm -hmm. and then she took our oxygen away she was like you know mother nature was like hold on a minute see how this feels now have a bit of covid and do you know what I mean and it's interesting that we were doing that to her and then she sort of did that to us a little bit so um just as a kind of warning it's like yeah, come on wake up you need to wake up and we do all need to become more conscious. I'm definitely looking into my brand, like how can we make things more sustainable? How can we, you know, be more green? What can, you know, what's our carbon? So we just, we've got to all look at it. We've got you know? to, for our yeah. children's children. Yes, exactly, for, for all of them. And yeah, um, yeah, but I think, you know, I'm always, uh, I, I think you are too, actually, when I sort of think about you, that, that sort of championing that positivity and, get rid of fear because there's too much fear in the world and we've just got to be as positive we can we've got to care about each other as much as we yeah. can and actually there's you know again in this kind of annoying pandemic it's like there is a bit of people calling each other or other people reflecting on things they never had to because we were we became so busy mm. we were just busy fools on one level we were just yeah. busy 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 no time to kind of make phone calls see friends do things and mm. not that i had a huge amount of time in lockdown but you definitely <laughs> have 
<laughs> time to kind of reflect somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And also, it's brought and... out a lot of kindness in so many. I mean, yes. obviously, the top of the list are all the nurses and doctors who've had to deal with <gasps> heroes. Heroes. I mean, they really are. They and, are. Um, and so, but it's brought out kindness in communities and people caring. You know, I can remember my mum talking about in the war that happened that it or that awfulness was happening but it brought out kindness within the community and helping each other so yeah again let's hope we don't lose that yeah let's pray that we that does come together and we kind of will do that and I'm sure you've done different things I've done many different things for charities and mm -hmm. you know giving money to charities and doing different things and the NHS are just and the America I mean just everyone working at the forefront of this pandemic I mean the front line of it is just they are the most selfless and the heroes they're just heroes they're just Absolutely. they just should all you know like like some of their war heroes what they're doing is so selfless and so incredibly heroic it's just kind of oh it brings tears to my eyes i mean i'm sure you've been getting out and clapping for the nhs on the street oh, we all okay. get out and clap like mad and Absolutely. you know that's kind of i love that again sense of community and coming together and just being so grateful i think it's a real time of reflection and gratitude as well and i've i've definitely had that i'm truly grateful to all the amazing people that bought Charlotte Tilbury during the pandemic, because I have a lot of salaries to pay and I have a lot of people, you know, to feed them. You know, it's like, thank God they did, because, you know, that was scary when they shot, shut down, yeah. you know, 60% of the stores, you know. So, you know. Have they started think, to open now? Yeah, yeah, they have. They have. They've all, they're all back open again. Okay. And, um, and I have to say, we're doing we're actually doing well but you're grateful every day for everything you have you don't want to take it for granted because mm. you know we're not out of it yet uh mm. we don't know what the world's going to be and we're having like you were saying since we went into the pandemic we're now thinking differently about our business and mm -hmm. coming out we're now doing a thing called virtual services so you know i was thinking about give a woman what she wants where she wants it so suddenly if she's if you're older you can't go into store or if you're afraid or whatever to be able to shop on charlottetilbury.com and then have one of my trained red carpet beauty advisors who've been with me in Cannes or, or the Bathers or wherever or the Oscars or whatever, and then be there online giving you a um, a tutorial on how to do the makeup. And then we did that. We were the first people in the world just two days to came up with this technology where we can it comes up online so as you're shopping it you get to see it in the basket online as this, this woman's kind of saying right you know put the wonder glow on and this will give you the most social incredible social media filter and pop your skin with magic and then you put all of this into your basket she accompanies all the way to the checkout and that's never been done before so we're having to think in this agile way because we're suddenly living in a we've quantum shifted into another world mm within a few months. And so how do you, I think part of what you were saying before is I always think when you're in business, it, it, it's sort of war or kind of you're thinking strategically about how you stay nimble, how you stay agile and how you win in a way that you have to be open in that way. And I think that's part of the excitement of, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, innovation of, you know, staying relevant and at the forefront of things. And I think so many people have kind of said, okay, well, now, you know, I went into the eye of the storm during the pandemic and other people are catching up with me. So now I've got to shift into a different way of thinking how, you you know, you're going to com mm. communicate with your consumer because it's different for her now. You know, yeah. the consumer, it's, it's a different world. So so how you give her that and, and just staying at the forefront of technology and 
makeup and yeah, all those things. <laughs> <laughs> Totally different subject. Are you a cook? Do you cook? Uh, darling, I am not a domestic goddess. I... <laughs> you look like one. <laughs> no, I, know. I look like one, but I'm not one. I tell you, my husband said to me, he once Instagrammed his dinner. It was that bad. <laughs> it was a rice cake with a wedge of onion and some hummus. And he was like, you are joking. And he just photographed it and sent it to a friend. He's like, well, look at this, that dog's dinner. It was so bad. I'm not a cook. Not a cook. And then I, though, because I also said to him when our so first Nigella day, said, Lawson doesn't have to worry. Well, she doesn't have to worry, darling. She owes that space, my God. I said to him, can I cook you some toast? And he went, okay, this is not obviously going to go very well in the kitchen from Cook me some toast. So that was now, the end have, of that. Have you been reading much during the lockdown on No Time? Um, do you know, I, I, the last book I read, and if you can if you can recommend a great book, I would love it because I don't have one right now. But the last book I read, I was, a you know, those page turners that you just get completely obsessed and enthralled by. It and you can't, you know, when you're just like, you're out at a dinner party, you're talking to someone, it's really great. But you're just like, I just want to get back to my book. I just want to get back to my book because it's so it's good. Best, oh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Oh, okay. Do you know? No, it's, it, okay, so I, I, I mean, for me, it was exhilarating. It's um about the man that built Nike, uh, Nike shoes. So Nike. Also, it's, a true, it's a true story. Of true story okay. about how he built it. And Nike is the goddess of victory, as well as the name of the brand. And just Brilliant. what an amazing story, Phil Knight, shoe dog. Okay, I oh. shall. Put it on my list. I'm reading, I don't know, you wouldn't have time yeah. probably, but I'm reading a series of books by a lady called Lucinda Riley. And right. they're called The Seven Sisters. And there's seven oh. books. And each book, the first book tells the story of where they all came from. The, and then the, the next books, you have the sun sister, the pearl sister, the moon sister. They oh. each have a book of their own. And then I think she's writing the conclusion now. Of what happens to all of them. So it's like the Seven Sisters series. If you like books like that, I love them. So each each child grows up to do something. They're all adopted, the children, and they all grow up to do different things. And each book is their story. And there's a slight mystery going on in the middle of them as well. Oh, I I love that. Okay, on. That sounds fabulous. Real escapism. They're fabulous. We love escapism. Aren't we always in a dream, darling? That's what I always say. We're in a dream. We're selling a dream. Selling a dream. Oh, darling. For joining me for tea. And um, hopefully oh, we can you. do it properly and not just virtually. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till I don't have to virtually hug you and I can give I you a big know. kiss. But yes. Well hopefully um, it won't be too long. Thank you, Charlotte. Wow, what a story. Charlotte's quite an amazing woman. She's a force of nature, I think, and very talented with it, and a really nice lady. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy 
or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. just heard a stripped media production.